A podcast where we go one-on-one with fiction creators, such as authors, filmmakers, actors, songwriters, and more. Each episode, we get the inside scoop on our guests' creative process, the ups and downs of their industries, and our guests also give out tips and tricks that help them become successful. And now, let's jump into the episode with your host, Chris C.L. Lowry. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Fiction Addiction Podcast. Our next guest is a 35-year-old trans male from Spring, Texas. They have been married for more than 16 years. They have been working on their book series also for more than 16 years. They have worked with their mother on the first book, but unfortunately, their mother passed before the book could get published. Since then, our guest has dedicated everything they do to their mother. Ladies and gentlemen, Jamie Sonier, what is going on? Hi there. Hey, thank you for joining us. Excited. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for having me. First and foremost, what is the secret to having more than 16 years of marriage? I'm going to get that out of <laughs> the way. <laughs> well, it's tough. <laughs> there, there are plenty of ups and downs, but I think finding the right partner for you that completes you, not necessarily having everything in common with you. Uh, In my husband's case, he has almost nothing in common with me and he completes the parts of me I find are missing. And I do the same for him. Have you ever, did you envision like being able to find that old school love? Because obviously our generation, we kind of like, started dropping the ball uh, somewhere along the line in terms of marriage. Like, you know what I mean? Our grandparents and even some of our parents had those 30 plus years, 40 plus years. So did you always know like that was the goal no matter what? It was a hope for sure. I, I was never, <laughs> I was never sure of if it would happen until a friend called me up and asked me to go on a blind date. <laughs> mm. That And that's how we met. <laughs> Really? Yep. (laughs) We were teenagers and it was his senior year of high school and he'd never been to a school dance. And a mutual friend of ours called me and asked me to go on this blind date with this guy to his school dance. So I agreed and it was just an immediate connection. Nice. Yeah. Y'all got to thank that friend. Like, y'all are forever indebted to that friend. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So now, currently, um, we we are facing a global pandemic, Mm -hmm. um, the COVID-19 coronavirus. How has this pandemic, the quarantine, the stay-at-home orders uh, issued by some states, how has that affected you? in terms of your personal and professional life? Well, unfortunately, I got laid off from my work as they had to shut down. Now, it's a temporary layoff. Yeah, it's a temporary layoff. They'll reopen and they'll have us come back. But for the time being, I've been laid off. So I've been dedicating all of my time to advertising and trying to get my book out there. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now, Now, has this opened your eyes up in terms of 
I don't want to say possibilities because this is rare. Obviously, this is uh, something no one saw uh, coming. No one expected mm-hmm. to hit us this hard. And we had so many uh, economical issues as a result of it. But as also an author and um, entrepreneur, has this opened up your eyes in terms of anything can happen in a nine to five world? Like you said, now is the focus is on you know, promote your book. Has it opened your eyes as an entrepreneur in terms of how you absolutely? Move it's a concern because you know you want to be able to do like your book signings and go out there and meet people and get the book on the shelves, but like you can't do that right now. Now, when did your passion for writing begin? I'd say around the age of seven. Hmm. Uh, right about when writing became a thing for me, right about when I started figuring out how to do it. And I wrote my first book unpublished. I wrote my first book when I was about nine. Wow. And um, then I did some writing in my school, and uh, it may still be there. There's a copy of a short story I wrote that they had in a glass case at my middle school. So I, I had that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And how was that? <laughs> like having that story put into a, into the case at the middle school? How was that feeling as a kid? It was amazing. It was quite, <laughs> it was quite inspiring. Only two kids in the entire school got the privilege and I was one of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> Now, from that point, and obviously from writing as a child to the point where you become a published author, mm-hmm. where, how did that evolution occur? Well, like I, I didn't for like a long time, didn't get into writing after my childhood. I had other things to focus on, high school and whatnot, and then I got married very young. Mm-hmm. And then um, the story was just a, a little blurb I thought about before I'd go to bed. And then it one day just evolved into this epic series. And uh, I sat down and was like, you know what? I, I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm going to start writing this. And my mother helped me quite a bit with it. Like she was my my ear. She would listen to all of my chapters and give me advice and notes. And uh, she'd always wanted to be a writer herself. So, yeah. Now, did, now did she, did she have any other uh, stories or books that she worked on as well? She had one story, which she didn't have a name for, but it was about a, a woman. Um, I think she was a uh, wedding. What do they call it? A wedding coordinator. Oh, yeah. And uh, she it was a love story. It was a romance between a, a wedding coordinator and a wealthy gentleman. She was a big fan of Jane Austen's books. Mm. Uh, Pride and Prejudice was her baby. Mr. Darcy, <laughs> Mr. Darcy every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so once. You came to her, I can't imagine being a. Uh, a parent with the passion of writing and then my child uh, picking up interest in that same passion. Mm-hmm. Um, how was that conversation like the first one? Oh, she always knew I wanted to be a writer and she was, <laughs> she was always very supportive, 
very, very, but she wasn't foolishly supportive. If, if it wasn't a good idea, if it didn't grab the interest, she'd let me know. <laughs> Which is what you need sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. She helped me with a lot of rewording of the story and whatnot. <laughs> now, the, the first book in this series, um, mm-hmm. it is Building Neverland, Hand Rising. That's, that's it? So... I'm going to read the synopsis real quick. So in this dark adult reimagining of Peter Pan, Peter is thrust off the island violently only to land himself in the world of pirates. In this alternate tale, we will begin to discover the darker side to the Peter Pan story as Peter dives into the world of adults, piracy, kidnapping, and his journey towards becoming the great Captain Hook. Now, where obviously we know where the interest uh came from, but where did the interest come in terms of recreating the story? Well, I'd always been a big fan of Peter Pan, and I always, as a child, saw a connection between him and Hook. And as a little kid, I was certain that Hook was just another facet of Peter. And as I got older and my little blurb started to morph into a Peter Pan story, which it originally had nothing to do with, um, I, I had this thought, what if Peter was Captain Hook? And the story just unfolded before me. Now, were you nervous about recreating such a classic tale? Absolutely. I still am. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's a beloved story. There are going to be people out there who either love it or hate it. And now, what what would you say to those people? Because obviously some people are going to just judge a book by its cover and say, no, I don't want to. You know what I mean? Some people Mm -hmm. don't want to to ruin whatever uh, Mm -hmm. history they have with their original stories. but. At the same time, this story is very creative and it takes you to another uh, take you to another world, essentially, in terms of these characters in this tale. So what would you say to a person like that who's just going to be judgmental and not take the chance to actually read? I'd say give it a chance. You never know. You might like it. I'm not asking people to like my book more than the original source. Of course not. But it's an alternate take on it. And I think it has a place in the in the story's history. And now, re- while recreating this tale, um, what was your goal? My goal? Uh, well, it's a series, so my goal in the end was to give Peter a different take and a different light and to open him up to far more understanding. You know, he like in the story, in the series, he eventually becomes a a married husband and a father and a grandfather and a great grandfather. And I, I've never seen that side to Peter outside of hook, the movie hook where he became a father. And I, I thought, you know, mixing Peter and hook would add a little bit of an extra amount of drama and detail to him as a father, as a husband, you know, as your neighbor. Mm. 
Now, your cover design, mm-hmm. very creative, I must say. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> for, for such a classic tale, um, obviously for the history of it, and also for your vision for the tale that you were mm-hmm. telling, what was the process like in terms of finding the designer for your cover? Well, I, initially I was going to draw the cover up myself, but I'm, I'm not the best of an artist particularly digital art. Mm-hmm. Um, I fell out of practice years ago from drawing. So I had it in my mind what I wanted. I, I knew exactly what I wanted as far as Peter and the image of him hovering over the water and whatnot. And so I put feelers out there into the world uh, on a website, which I'm not going to name, but a, another website that I was on asking these digital artists if anyone would be interested in doing the cover art. And I had a friend tell me, I've got a friend who does digital art who's pretty talented. Maybe he'd like to meet her. And so I agreed. And that's when I met Genevieve Hudspeth. And she just, mm. she just knew somehow, like I told her what I wanted as in as much detail as possible, but I'm, I, 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 I'm sure I fell short here and there, but she somehow knew exactly what I wanted and she gave it to me and I, I'm just so pleased with it. Really? Mm-hmm. So, so what do you think the connection was? You know what I mean? In terms of, do you think it was a connection with her, with the story, with obviously your detail of it? What do you think uh, made you guys mess so well? I think she's just a very good artist. She's very talented and mm. she knows how to give people what they're looking for. And like, as long as you can give her some details, she'll do her best. So after you wrote the story, um, after you find your, your designer, your illustrator for the cover, what were the next steps you took in your publishing journey? Was this something you wanted to jumpstart a traditional publishing career or did you always know you wanted to be independent? I didn't disillusion myself into thinking that a traditional publication would automatically pick up my book. Uh, the dream was to have Little Brown and Company do it, but um, of course they they don't accept amateur work. <laughs> and uh, so at, I started querying to agents, and of course I got turned down left and right. And then I I went to a website which I don't recall the name of, but. I put my name and like my email address and like what the book was about and everything on it. And I got contacted by author house Hmm. and they were the ones that picked me up. I had a few public publishing houses that wanted me like Dorrance and uh, another that I can't quite think of at the moment, but uh, they were a bit expensive. (laughs) So, so why, what made you choose Author House over the other publishers? What were you looking for as an artist? They they published Legally Blonde. That was <laughs> enough for me. I love Legally Blonde. <laughs> that, was, that was plenty for me. Like, the second he said that, I was like, it's you. You're right. right. <laughs> <laughs> so how has your experience been since publishing book one? It's it's been eye opening, both a whirlwind and stationary. And I'll explain what I mean by that is when I first published, I published through Amazon, which is it's still up, but it was my own uh, editing and everything on it. And uh, 
it sold a few copies the first week and then it just stopped selling. Mm-hmm. And when I had been writing, I, I kept telling myself, all I need to do is get my book on Amazon and it'll take off. The, my advice to anyone listening, don't think that because <laughs> it takes a it takes a lot more than just public, which Amazon makes it very easy. They make it very easy to publish Absolutely. your book, but it's not enough. You have to advertise and you have to get out there and do more for it than just accepting that Amazon will take care of everything and that people will automatically know how to find you. Like if I type in Neverland into the Amazon search bar, my book does not show up. <laughs> now, how many books total are going to be in a series? Seven. Seven books. I'm hoping to dwindle it down to six. But so far as the conceptualizing has gone, it's seven. And what made you want to do a series rather than just a standalone? Obviously, sometimes the pen takes a, <laughs> takes a life of its own. And you can't control it. Does. The <laughs> it does. Basically, all of these characters started coming to my mind, and I realized I can't fit all of this into one books so then one book became two books two books became three and then after a while it it turned out to be seven Uh, initially at one point it was up to 13 books but i managed to yeah but i managed to cull the field a little bit and try to (laughs) (laughs) minimize it some (laughs) now for your first release did you have a, a launch party how did you introduce your book as uh your first book into the world no launch party. I just posted on Facebook, hey guys, I published my book. <laughs> and then my uh, publishing agent was like, you need a bigger social media presence. So get on Twitter, get on Instagram. And I'd had a Twitter since 2014, but I never posted on it, not once. Right. <laughs> so I went back to that and I was like, all right, we're going to figure this out. Rolled up my sleeves and started uh contacting Twitter's writing community and they've been amazing. Yeah, I was about to ask that. How how is the the writing community for you? Oh they're on fantastic. social media. There's so many. There's so many on Facebook, so many on Twitter, a few on Instagram. So how has it been? Fantastic. They're such great people. They're clever and creative and always helpful. I had sent out feelers for help on um I needed advice on um People who fight like in MMA and jujitsu, law enforcement, things like that, uh, for a specific character in a, in the future book in the series. And I had several people contact me and they were wonderful. They gave me the best advice that I think I could have found anywhere and, um, really helped me shape this character. Now, that's interesting because not too many people, especially when they're starting out um, writing, not too many people think about that. So what you did was you actually did the research for your character. Why was that important? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's important to me to keep it as because it's such a fantastical story. I've got to have some realism here and there. So I can't have a, a, a bare knuckle brawler who's never trained in his life or eats Twinkies all day or what well, I needed to know what the diet would be like, what exactly he'd be 
you know, exercising, cardio and the like, uh, how many hours a day, how many years it would take him to become the best, you know, things like that. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, you do, do, you, do you do that type of research for every character? No, no. Some characters I don't need to research. They're just who they are and it's not necessary. But for some characters, like for instance, Blackbeard is in the first book and I wanted to get as close as possible to his, like how he died and the mm -hmm. like. Um, so I had to do a lot of research on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, a lot of the research that I do for these characters is extensive. And I ask a lot of, <laughs> and I ask a lot of people's advice on the matter. People who know better than me. <laughs> right, right. Now, were you ever were, were you ever surprised by some of the information you received during your research, especially like the MMA and how stringent some of those routines are, and some of that training is. Um, some of it's extreme. Oh, absolutely. You know I mean? <laughs> so, were you ever surprised uh, listening? some of the people's information like really you do that <laughs> oh yeah one guy told me that my character would have to imbibe at least a dozen eggs a day at the very least to keep up his physique i was like oh my God. i know <laughs> i couldn't believe it. it was like a dozen eggs really he's like it's good protein <laughs> oh my god that's crazy i hope it wasn't like one of those guys that like drink it like drink the raw. Eggs. Oh, I know. I think I'm gonna have the character boil the eggs. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> now, in terms of tapping into your imagination, because because obviously this is um, you're creating worlds. There, it's this is that fantasy realm. Mm -hmm. What is the key to tapping into your imagination to create a world, even though it's based off of Peter Pan and Neverland? you still have to do the creation for your tale. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So what was, how, how do you tap in to that type of imagination, I, creativity? I've always had an exceedingly vivid imagination, like <laughs> ridiculously vivid. <laughs> and <laughs> like, I don't, I don't quite know how I've been able to tap into it. It just comes naturally for me. Um, I, I don't have to think for too long to come up with an idea for the story. So I'm not quite sure how I could advise there. <laughs> <laughs> what is your writing routine? It's, it's nothing big. I just sit down and dedicate 12 plus hours per night um, to working on it. At a time in one setting? Yeah. Yeah. Per, really? Yeah, per night. <laughs> 12 hours. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I've edited, I've edited and re-edited that first book probably over 500 times. Mm. <laughs> what was that first edit draft like for you? <laughs> Oof, quite embarrassing. I, I'm so glad that I edited. <laughs> it was much shorter for one. <laughs> I was worried that it wasn't going to come out to like a full size book at, you know, at first, because I can, I can oh, yeah, write the beginning, yeah. I can write the middle, I can write the end, but the small talk in between those spaces, I, 
I tend mm. to struggle with and uh, small talk in general when it comes to dialogue. But um, yeah, it, it it's it's been an experience trying to get it done and get it edited and re-edited. And I was on Wattpad for a full year straight working on the book. And I did read for reads for people like where you read theirs and they read yours and you both give feedback. Right. And once I, once I hit a thousand views and feedback, uh, that's when I, I said, okay, it's time to publish. Really? You had a thousand, uh, views on, on, on your story on Wattpad? A thousand reads. Yep. Hmm. How was that? How was that site for you? And, um, in terms of navigating and putting your story out there? It's a little confusing at first, especially the forum section. Uh, if you don't know what you're doing, you will sit there and wonder, why can't I post in this forum? Why can't I make a forum post of my own? But right. you've got to do things like you've got to read forum posts and click like on forum posts to unlock things. So once I started to gradually figure that out, it became quite easy. It's a very good website. Now, are, are you still on Wattpad or did you just do the year? Did you do a year and then? Oh, I'm still on there. I'm still, oh, I've got okay. the second book on there and a few other books that I'm working on as well. How was the initial feedback from family, like your family members when you published your book and you actually became a published author? Uh, all positive. Which worried me. <laughs> what? <You> know, Why? <laughs> nothing, nothing but positive feedback. Somebody's got to be lying. There's got to be at least one of you out there who doesn't like this book. <laughs> <laughs> that just picks it up and goes, oh, no, this is not for me. Like someone, someone's got to. But everybody's like, oh, it's perfect. It's great. And that worries me. <laughs> Now, what was your reaction when you had your first official printed copy in your hand? Ah, oh, that was amazing. Like, I screwed up the format of it because uh, you're going to laugh. Somebody told me that the formatting that I was using was hard for people who had, um, what's it called? Um, Jesus, what's that called? The condition where they see letters switched around and whatnot. Um, dyslexia. Dyslexia. Yeah. Yeah, they told me to reformat it so that dyslexic people could, you know, read it easier. So I did and published the book that way. And I had so many people come to me and go, why'd you use that format? <laughs> Wait, so people asked about the new format when you reformatted it? Yeah, like why did you why did you format it that way? Because I didn't indent the uh, paragraphs, and I put a space in between each paragraph, so it, it looks a little strange. Now the book, now that it's uh, at Barnes and Nobles, has been edited and it's formatted correctly, but I think I was given some bad advice initially. <laughs> really? Yeah. How about I say what was? How about I say what was there? Like, what was their experience of? The, is that the way they did their books? In terms oh, I, of I don't know. I didn't. Formatted? I didn't see their book. They just the several people told me to put spaces in between because the uh, 
long formatting where your eye doesn't get a rest was difficult for people with right. dyslexia who struggled to read. So that I wanted to be as inclusive as possible. So I did that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't know if it truly helped. It might have been poor advice, but, you know, I did what I could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you put the effort in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, though, I'm going back to your your writing routine. Um, twelve mm -hmm. hours, Jesus. Mm -hmm. I, need that, I need that type of discipline. <laughs> um, is, it, is it? Do you write? Are you one of the uh, one of those writers that use pen and pen and pad and then transfer over to typing, or do you type from the beginning? I type from the beginning. I. I don't write so well. My handwriting isn't the best. And I, for some reason, I tend to grip the pen as hard as I can in my hand. <laughs> I don't know why. I've always been that way. Like I've snapped pens in my hand while writing. Um, wow. Yes. So I, I tend to avoid writing physically unless I'm just like signing a, you know, my signature or something. Yeah. So it's all, and I'm, I'm a very proficient typer. So I type uh, over a hundred words per minute. So it, it works out better that way. It's, and I, I write too yeah. slowly. So. <laughs> now, how do you stay dedicated? Because that, that is dedication. How do you stay dedicated to putting in that much time to writing? It's um, my baby. It's... Especially with so many distractions in the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I know. Well, for one, I was I was a shut in for 10 years for a while in my 20s, my late mm -hmm. 20s. So I had nothing but time. I worked from home. I answered phones and I wrote. And the story, it's my baby. It's a piece of my soul. So it's easy to care about something and dedicate a lot of time to it when it's a piece of you. Mm. Now, do you see yourself, uh, or do you write in different genres? I do. I have, I have other than the um, Peter Pan series, I'm writing two other books. Um, both are comedies. One's a dark comedy. One's a basic comedy. Um, the dark comedy is, do you want to know what it's about? Oh, Absolutely. Okay, it's called Best Frenemies, and it's about an app that appears overnight on everyone's phones around the world, and nobody knows where it came from or how to delete it, and it promises to find your soulmate. So for serial killer Tobias, he decides to utilize it, and while everyone else around him is getting great matches, some even celebrities, he gets Ethan, this overweight bearded middle-aged mama's boy who collects wiener dogs and wiener dog accessories so in his disappointment <laughs> in his disappointment he goes to kill ethan only to realize too late he's been drugged by him and he wakes up later in ethan's basement only to find the app worked far too well that ethan is also a serial killer and oh, wow. is demanding they be best friends <laughs> wow and the uh the other the other comedy is uh, Jim and I Wanted, and it's a Western, an old comedic Western about these twin half Native American brothers who bungled their way through a bank robbery only for rumor to spread out of control that it isn't two idiots who got lucky, but one lone phantom gunman who can appear in two places at once. Mm. 
<laughs> yeah, your created your creativity is on like on a different level. <laughs> Thank you. Now, how do you, how do you navigate through um how do you navigate through those different genres in terms of not obviously not writing from here to here to here uh physically but actually staying focused on one genre at a time or do you stay focused are you, are you one of those writers that can write one thing on a sunday and then go to the the comedy on a monday and then be just fine oh yeah i'm i'm definitely that one i can i'll get up early in the morning and start work on a new chapter for you know building neverland and then give it a few hours of rest and then i go to best frenemies really? and then i work on yeah like in one day i can pump out a at least a chapter per book. That's crazy. It's, <laughs> it's not easy for everybody. You know what I mean? They get stuck in 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 in, in the one book um, for weeks, months at a time. Like you know what I mean? So that's that's good. That's I know. I've never had writer's block in my life. Ever. Ever, not once. If I sit down to write something, I know exactly what I'm writing. It comes out. Wow. Like me for this. It upsets a lot of my. <laughs> it upsets a lot of my other writer friends who do suffer writer's block. It's going to upset like a lot that. of listeners too. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. Like 16 no, plus I, years I, of marriage, and doesn't get writer's block. <laughs> nope. <laughs> never had crazy. it uh, in my entire life. I've never had writer's block. I, I have the opposite problem. I have far too many ideas. In one oh, given yeah. scene, I can. In one given scenario, I can come up with six different methods and ways that the scenario could happen, or more. And then I have to. My problem is deciding on which scenario is the best one to go with. So I have way too much information going into my brain at once. So I, there's just <laughs> there's just no time for writer's block. <laughs> now, what is one tip you would give? Because obviously you have so much creativity, so much discipline when it comes to writing. Um, what is one tip you would give an inspiring writer um, who has good ideas, great ideas, but doesn't know where to start in terms of generating their story or pursuing their publishing career? I would say if you're a writer and you want to write a book, don't do it intoxicated. <laughs> <laughs> that is my number one tip I give people. Don't do it. Like, it may seem like a good idea at the time, but you're going to wake up to a lot of nonsense. <laughs> oh, that's the truth. <laughs> Plus, it's so easy to get distracted when you're intoxicated. Like, if I have a single beer, I can't write. Like, that's it. <laughs> really? Mm -hmm. Just focus on everything. Else. And, it's, and it's crazy because... Sometimes, depending on the drinker and what you're drinking, so many things start running through your head. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, but like I you said, it's, like, it's hard to focus. I think it's like, <laughs> if you're the type that drinks and gets creative, take ample notes. But don't dedicate the writing. Like the, when you sit down to actually really seriously write, be very careful what you drink or smoke oh, yeah. or what yeah. have you. Because it can become a distraction. Oh, absolutely. Now, one thing I noticed um, 
obviously from the uh the the comedies you were you were describing to us mm-hmm. uh the diversity um mm-hmm. in the characters it sounded like thank you what was what was what, what was going on there in terms of planning for those books and planning for those characters even with the your series now why was diversity important for you it's very important because i wanted to include a lot of um people of color and uh lgbtq plus as well like in all of my books these are prevalent like tobias the serial killer and best frenemies the sociopath is african-american um in my mm-hmm. pan rising book i've got a trans character i've got gay characters i've got lesbian characters i've got black characters i've got hispanic you know like i I don't in my story there is no sexism there is no racism there's no bigotry there is classism (laughs) they do have classism everywhere (laughs) yeah they, they do have classism but like you know peter's wife for example in book three you find out peter's wife she's she's african american well she's She's from Neverland, so African Neverland, you would say. <laughs> <laughs> Inclusivity is just very important to me. And being trans myself, it, it's important to me that people have a voice and have a place in fiction, you know, like for oh, like for a while you didn't see people of color as superheroes and you know, now that's changed and that's a wonderful thing. And I think that it should be prevalent in most new stories. I was about to ask you that. Um, do you believe we have enough representation for everybody around? At the moment, no. I don't think there is enough representation. I think that the world could do much better for representation, for representing people of color, people in LGBTQ, women, et cetera. You know, I think that we could do a lot better for representation. And I'm not, I'm not sitting here dogging on cis white people, not whatsoever. I think that they should be right, represented absolutely. too, but they have been. Do we have enough, um, are enough writers, diverse writers getting opportunities? Um, are enough LGBT authors given enough opportunities um, from publishing companies? and from readers to get those stories out there. Um, the same with uh, people of different races. I certainly hope so. Um, I'd like to see there being more representation, more people given the chance to tell their stories, you know, the people who are in LGBTQ or who are people of color, you know, I I want to see them be able to, uh, succeed in telling their story, however they wish to tell it. Now, for your stories, what what is your vision in terms of the possibilities you have with them? Because obviously, with the comedies, that's those easily just just that little bit you told us. Those <laughs> can easily be, especially uh, best frenemies. That that could easily I could easily see that as a a visual, an actual visual production. So, Thank you. Have you ever considered anything like that? In the future, uh, for any of your stories, it's always been a hope. But I, I'm as narcissistic as I am. I've never been narcissistic enough to believe that my story would ever become 
like a movie or a TV show, but like it's always been a hope. <laughs> really? Yeah, you know, I would I would love to see somebody's take on my story, you know, even if like I'd have to even if they screw it up, you know, it's still somebody else's take and it's an amazing thing to see. Right. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That that one that that can definitely definitely absolutely easily be a hit right now. You might need a visual artist because of the, to create like an app or something like that for <laughs> visual effects. But other than that, it should be easy. <laughs> I had to do so much research on the apps thing because I, I had to name it something that wasn't already taken. And originally it was called Second Self. But then I found that that was an app. Mm. So I was like, oh, I can't do that. So now oh, gosh. I had to <laughs> I had to change it to Second Spirit, which wasn't ideal, but like I can't take somebody else's name. So <laughs> exactly, I can imagine how hard that was because obviously you don't know how many apps exist until you start searching for a name. <laughs> oh yeah, they, they pump them out per day, like by the minute. So for all I know, Second Spirit's already an app. <laughs> <laughs> Then I'll have to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> yeah, and then make you pick another name. <laughs> oh, that would suck. <laughs> now, for you, obviously, you 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 publish your book. You have so many great stories coming out on the way. That first book, um, because it meant so much to you, mm -hmm. because your mother helped you work on it. How important was it to get it published? It was absolutely important. Her favorite of my stories was Gemini Wanted, the Western, but she she did like building Neverlands, and she helped me quite a bit with it. So it was in honor of her memory. I, I had to see it for I I'm one of those people that's probably never finished anything in his life. So I had to prove this not only to myself, but to like my little world around me that I could see something through. And show my mother in her death that, you know, I can do it. So it was exceedingly important to me. Now, what is next for your books, your series, obviously the comedies? What is next? What is next? What can we expect from it? Uh, book two for Building Neverland, for one, Hook Rising. That's when Peter actually does become like you see him merging into Hook somewhat in the first book. But in the second one, that's when he really becomes Hook. It's when he loses his hand and everything else. So the second book is what I'm working on as of this time. And I'm hoping to have that out next year. Hmm. What can we expect uh, from you? Anything else? Any big news coming from you besides the writing? No, not much news for me as of this time. I'm I'm just hoping to get my job back. <laughs> but, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we hope you get it back. <laughs> yeah, but other than writing the books, they, they take up my life. So as of this time, I have I have nothing else that I'm working on that um I can really say. <laughs> have Have you ever? I got a question. Have you ever thought about uh, co-authoring a book? Not really. Um, it's hard for me to share 
(laughs) (laughs) Like I've had friends actually help me rewrite stuff and it takes me a lot to put it into the book because they, you know, added their own narrative to it and whatnot. Yeah. I've had a few (laughs) friends just, well, you know, word it this way instead. It's, it, it'll be better. It'll be better. And this stubbornness in me says, but it's not mine. You know, <laughs> right, right, I have right, a, right, a right. severe aversion to taking other people's work. So. <laughs> and why do you think that is? I don't know. Like I, I just was taught that if somebody else wrote it, it's theirs. And if you call it that plagiarism, mm. the big P and I, I stuck by that there. Oh yeah, I stuck I stuck by it hard. Now I'll take like if they say change a single word here and there or whatever, but if they completely restructure it, I can't do it. I can't even if it's better, I can't take it. It's not mine. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you I'm about to say, and they had to keep up with your uh your your, your twelve hours of dedication. You're like outright somebody like you'll be done so much and they'll be like (laughs) (laughs) so now can you tell everybody where they can reach you at where they can find your book at and get in contact with you absolutely i'm on twitter under jason 85 if you type in building neverland or jm sonye you'll find it uh blue book cover uh, it's also on Amazon. If you type in J.M. Sonye, you'll find it. Uh, let's see. My Instagram is whatajoy85. And that's about it. All right. All right. This is the Fixing Addiction Podcast, and this was Jamie Sonye. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us on the Fiction Addiction Podcast. Make sure you visit fictionaddictionpodcast.com for links on everything we talked about today, as well as awesome resources, additional tips, and fiction addiction merchandise.